Hi, my name is William. I've come today to be baptized so that it might witness to others my belief and so others might see my baptism and be compelled to do it themselves if they believe. I was blessed to grow up in a Christian family. Because of this, I would hear the gospel preached all the time and I would hear it and even understand it, but not really listen to it. I would say I believed for a few years and claimed to be a Christian. And whenever I did something wrong and got in trouble, I would be upset. However, I wasn't upset because I had done something sinful, but because I had been punished for doing what I wanted. I kept in this sin for a long time, telling others that I believed and yet I lived in ignorance of who God was and what he had done for me. I don't really know when I was sure of my salvation, except that it was a few years ago. I had still been walking in the sin of ignorance of God's word. I had the gospel shared with me my whole life by my parents and other friends and family. And I didn't listen for a long time until I started to ask myself the questions, why do I keep wanting to serve? Because I had always felt compelled to serve. And why do I keep questioning my belief? I also began questioning the Bible and whether what it said was true. I was still in sin, but unlike before, there were times where I did and didn't want to sin. And even when I did want to sin, I knew it was wrong. I began asking my parents questions like, outside of the Bible telling us, how do we know God's word is true? And why didn't God just start over if he knew we would fall into sin? I just struggled with the fact that if I didn't know if I was saved or if I could be saved, because I also felt like my sin was holding me down. But God's word encouraged me. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. At some point after asking all the questions I did, um, I thought back on what I had heard hundreds of times told to me about the gospel. This time, I really thought about it and knew it was important to me. I knew that I kept coming back to him and what he wanted me to do because of his love for me. I wanted to be able to understand God's word and believe without a doubt. I wanted to know everything I could that would prove his existence. I still struggled and I felt horrible about my sin and brought it to God because I knew that he would forgive me. I thanked God for his kindness and have tried to recognize my sin for what it is and recognize God for who he is. I have put my faith in him, trusting that though it may be hard, through him I can grow in obedience to him, even though I don't know everything he has planned for me. I knew that I would have to put my trust in his strength because it was him who saved me, and I understood that God was in control of my life. And through his grace, he had given me understanding and faith even without the knowledge I had wanted. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. I knew and recognized that God had saved me, and from there forward have tried to dedicate my life to understanding Him better 
and serving others in a way that gives glory to God. Since I have come to Christ, I have enjoyed fellowshipping with believers and worshiping God and knowing His Word. I have felt compelled to serve and practice acting in a God-honoring way so that I myself might grow closer in my relationship with God. I try to grow closer to God through the reading and memorizing of His Word. I'm also trying to build a habit of praying regularly and applying that which I learn about how I can act in a godly manner. I also recognize that part of being obedient is to the Lord's commands is being baptized. This is mentioned in Galatians 3, 26 through, 7, 2 through 27. And that is why I'm here today. Well, William, thank you for sharing with us your testimony. It's a good reminder to us as parents, by the way, not to be put off by our kids' questions. Sometimes kids ask questions, they don't understand the, the depth of what they've just asked us, and um, we need to answer those questions. And the Bible gives answers to those questions. We're thankful that the Lord's brought you to himself, and that even though he doesn't answer all of our questions, he gives us the knowledge of the gospel, the knowledge of himself. Because you've come to know him, it's my joy to baptize you now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hi, my name is Kate Scarborough, and this is my testimony. I have always grown up in a Christian home, surrounded by my loving parents, and I could tell you about the Bible and why you should be saved. However, I was still living in sin, lying, cheating, and stealing. Also, I never cared for praying and never really listened to anyone pray. I always went to church and took notes, but I never cared about what was being said. I always said I was a Christian to anyone who asked but deep down inside, I knew I was not one. When my life got flipped upside down, change really began to happen. We moved from Washington to Texas, and I grew extremely angry towards God and my parents as many things in my life began to change. I closed myself off towards them and was always angry at God and would almost never talk to my parents. And almost all of our conversations were arguments. However, in 2022, when listening to a baptism service at Northlake, I saw people struggling with similar sins, and it reminded me of how badly I had been treating my family, and most importantly, how I had been treating God. In Hebrews 2.1, it says, For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. However, I had been ignoring Scripture and God's Word and drifting far from Him. When Pastor Dusty prayed, I listened to his prayer and felt worse for the way I had been rejecting God and not seeking Him. In Isaiah 55, 6, it says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. When driving with my dad after church, I remember him asking what I was thinking, and I remember crying and explaining to him how sorry I was and how I'd like God to forgive me and save me from my sins. Later in the afternoon, I sat down with my parents and we talked. And then I prayed for God to save me and forgive me of my sins, as it says in Hebrews 10:9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
Ever since then, I have been striving to pay attention to God's Word more. My parents and my relationship have changed, and I am now enjoying talking to them constantly. I listen when people pray instead of ignoring their prayers, and I pray to Him constantly myself. Also, I now do not sit in service just to take notes, but to also learn more about how I can apply it to my own life. I am so thankful to my parents for loving me and being by my side, even on days when I am difficult. Hebrews 3.23-24 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Because of God's great gift and mercy, I'm here to get baptized today. Well, Kate, thank you for sharing with us what God has done in your life. That's also a good reminder. So many times we want to protect our kids from trials and difficulties in life and make life as easy for them as we can. And yet God often uses trials and difficulties like a move that's unwanted to open their eyes to come to know him as he did in this case. And Kate, we're so thankful for that. Because of your clear testimony of what Christ has done in your life and your faith and repentance, it's my joy to baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My name is Julia Gamanal. I have always had the testimony of becoming a Christian at five years old on a Wednesday night after my pastor preached on John 3.16. The message about John 3.16 scared me and I did not like thinking about ending up in hell. I told my mom about it later that Wednesday night and she prayed with me to accept Jesus. I was later baptized when I was eight years old. Into my teenage years, I really struggled with doubting my salvation because I did not remember having any thoughts of understanding the message of salvation when I prayed at five years old. There were many nights that I would pray to accept Jesus again and again, just because I was so scared of hell and knew I was not a good person. In 2019, I left home for school at a Christian college. While being away from home and facing some struggles in college, I really began to seek God more and actually spend time in daily devotions. God really began to work in my heart through many of the college messages and my personal devotions at that time. I do not have an exact moment in my life that I can pinpoint and say, this is when I became a Christian. But I do know that in the time of seeking to know God, I finally understood the truth of the gospel. I was never gonna be good enough for God, but rather despite my sinfulness, Jesus died to save me because he loves me. I had always heard growing up that salvation was not through works, yet subconsciously I was still trying to be a better person on my own. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Now as a Christian, it is so sweet to have a peace that I have never had before. It is believing in who Jesus is and what he did for me, and realizing how much I need him that has finally freed me from so many doubts. Recently, I shared with my husband my desire to be baptized again, now that I understand the meaning of the gospel and baptism. And a week later, NBC announced a sign up for a baptismal service. I'm so excited to be baptized again, truly identifying with Jesus Christ and declaring publicly my faith in him. Amen. Well, Julia, thank you for sharing with us what God's done in your life. 
It's a good reminder so many times we hear the gospel growing up and we hear that it's by grace and yet somehow we turn it into a, a works-based system. I'm so thankful the Lord's brought you to a place of knowing that it's truly by grace alone that we are saved. Because of your testimony and your clear expression of faith in him, it's my joy now to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hello, my name is White Jennings and I am 12 years old. All my life, I've attended a Bible preaching church. I am one of the six kids in my family and by the grace of God, He gave me two believing parents. I've also enjoyed going to church and taking part in events that the church has offered. I always have been around the Word and people who love the Lord, yet I know I wasn't living for the Lord, like in Romans 1:21. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks, but they became fertile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. My thoughts and actions were for selfish reasons. Time and time again, the word was preached to me, yet I didn't listen. I kept up the appearance of a young Christian, but the love of the Lord was not in me. Thankfully, the Lord worked on my heart. I started to feel the burden of my sins and knew I was destined for hell. I then started to dwell on the gospel. It all made sense, like the fog of information that I've heard all my life started to become clear. I eventually went to my mom because of my heavy heart, and she took me to God's word. And that's when I felt that the Lord was opening my eyes. For the last couple of months, my questions have been answered, and the gospel has getting clear. I know that I'm a sinner, and God, being a holy God, was separated from me and there was nothing I could have done to s on my own to save myself. God, being a loving God, sent His only Son to save me from my sins. Jesus humbled Himself more than I can possibly imagine by becoming a child, starting out in the poorest way. He lived a perfect life full of suffering and eventually was put to death on the cross, all for a sinner like me. Jesus Christ on the third day rose again, defeating death, and now sits at the right hand of God. I know Christ's sacrifice put all my sins upon His back so that God looks at me as an adopted son for eternity. I'm so thankful for the Lord choosing me before the beginning of time to spend eternity in His presence, glorifying Him forever. I do have a love for the Lord now, and I take God's word very seriously. I will continue to fight sin like in Romans 6, 12 through 14. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those alive from the dead and are members of instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be mastered over you for you are not under the law, but under grace. I also look forward to being the light amongst the darkness, like it says in Matthew 5, 14 through 15. You are a light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, 
nor does any light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men and shut away that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I look forward to glorifying our wonderful, loving God all my days till the Lord takes me home. This is why I'm here being baptized. Hmm. Well, Wyatt, thank you for sharing with us what God's done in your life. So many good reminders there. It's a good reminder to us again, parents, that when our kids come to us, they, they seek to find comfort and answers from us. Our job is to point them to Christ again and again and again. We're thankful that the Lord has brought you to himself, that he's given you faith in himself, and that you want to follow after Christ. And because of your testimony of faith in Christ, it's my joy to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My name is Hagen Holbrooks. I've been baptized before in another church, and today I'm being baptized again. The reason for this is because after much self-examination, it is clear that my life is radically different now than at the time of my previous baptism. I'm unsure of the exact time of my true conversion, but I know for certain that it was after my previous baptism. Looking back, I can now see that my so-called faith was merely an intellectual one, with no fruit of true repentance that accompanies saving faith. This was all due to my blindness to the true gospel of grace and to the one who died to make it so. But now by God's grace and the truth of the gospel, it has been revealed and illuminated in my heart and mind. Because of this, I earnestly desire to submit to Jesus and confess my love for him through the public ordinance of baptism. If there was ever a verse to describe my life before my conversion, it would be Titus 3, verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. I grew up in a home with two parents that loved me very much. I was never in need of any material thing and I lacked no love or affection. My parents were good to me. From birth until I was about eight or nine years old, my family attended a Church of Christ, just as their families had done. During that time, the sinful distractions of youth kept me from grasping the importance of seeking after the true God. This is consistent with the teaching of Scripture that the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. Psalm 58, verse 3. All that I took away from the teaching of the Church of Christ for the years to come was that you must be baptized to be saved, and that only those who are baptized got to drink grape juice and eat crackers at some point during the service. Shortly after I was eight or nine, we stopped attending that church and went to no church at all. As I grew into my high school years, my youthful sin matured with my age, and I began to delightfully partake in sin of the vilest sort. I loved fornication and adultery. I pridefully gloried in my athletic achievements and musical ability. I would constantly dishonor my parents by disrespecting them and lying not only to them, but to anyone at all whenever it would profit me. And I always seemed to have an internal smoldering anger that was quick to manifest itself by my words that I designed to cut to the core all those who angered me. In other words, I was a murderer according to the law of God. Jesus clearly shows where hateful words come from when he says, 
What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander, Matthew 15. All of the sin that Jesus mentioned in that verse, I gladly partook of, and much more. I was also guilty of all sorts of evil blasphemies and cursing. I would frequently mock my girlfriend, who is now my wife, for attending church, where I believed them to be studying fairy tales from an old mythical book and an unscientific one at that. I hated the true God because there was no fear of God before my eyes, with a mouth of the vilest sort. But to most people I appeared as a good son, a respectful boy, and a morally upright person. But inwardly I was, as Jesus said, of the self-righteous dead sinners of his day. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. Matthew 23. In all my sin and unbelief, I had created a God that was comfortable. He was a God who looked a lot like me and reasoned a lot like me. I thought, someday when I die, whatever God is, He will look at my life and see that the good in my life outweighs the bad. I could not have been further from the truth, for God Himself declares that He is holy and thus nothing like us. He declares, You thought that I was one like yourself, but now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Psalm 50, 21. And again, God declares of Himself, not only can He not merely pardon sin, but he, can, he is so infinitely holy that He can't even look upon sin. Habakkuk 1.13 This sinful view of my goodness and God's lack thereof would continue all the way into my college years until the merciful God shattered this high view of myself. When I was around 19, my then unsaved girlfriend, now my saved wife that I was living with out of wedlock and I, were sitting on a park bench in the late afternoon when a man approached us. He handed me a gospel tract that looked like a dollar bill which I took and shoved in my pocket. He asked to speak with us and we consented. He began to ask us if we were going to heaven and if so, why? Dixie replied that she was and then she gave the church answer which was, because Jesus died for my sin. I thought that that was foolish, so I said that I was also going to heaven but cited my own goodness as the reason for admittance. The man asked if he could test me to see if I was truly good enough according to God's standard. I pridefully said yes. Then he proceeded to wring my neck with the law of God, leaving me speechless. After just a few of the commandments, I was left without an apologetic. Using the law of God, the man demonstrated that I wasn't merely bad, I was actually evil. After all, this is what the law is designed to reveal according to Paul in Romans 3.19. He says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. The law did its work on me that day, but I still resisted with all my might, concluding that the man standing before me was nothing more than a self-righteous, judgmental hypocrite who knew nothing about me. I was so enraged by the exposure of God's diagnosis of my evil condition that I refused to listen to the rest of what the man had to say, which was the good news of the gospel. The man politely thanked us for talking with him and went on his way. Shortly after he left, I said to my girlfriend, who does that guy think he is telling me that I'm a bad person? He doesn't even know me, the nerve of that guy. But he did know me because he was an ambassador of Christ. And Christ himself declares that there are none good but God, Mark 10, 18. And I knew, he knew that I was among the, the ones who Jesus spoke of when he said, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Luke 6.15 
But what the man said to me wore on me after some time, and I found myself unable to shake what he said, as I couldn't bring myself to throw away the gospel tract that he gave me. I would frequently pull it out of my glove box and read it. Despite the good news offered on the paper, I felt an overwhelming sense of fear and dread when I read the first part of the tract about my violation of God's holy law. This fear and dread led me to start becoming very religious. Shortly after this time, my girlfriend and I started attending a church to try to appease our guilty consciences, but this didn't seem like enough. So I began to study the Bible and listen to all sorts of lectures and sermons, thinking that if I showed God that I was zealous enough to learn more about Him, that this might cause Him to show me favor. During this time, I even became truly interested in apologetics, and I would intake anything that I could to have the edge on my opponent that I might run across. But my still guilty conscience was not eased. However, at this time, I began to profess that I was a Christian. I deceived myself into thinking this by suppressing my guilty conscience, telling myself that I must be a Christian because I was eager to learn all that I could about God and because I was attending a church and was in a small group. My girlfriend and I even got married during this time because we truly did love each other and because we wanted to cease sinning against God by living together out of wedlock. However, we were both still slaves to sin. Sure, my passions have been restrained some by merely being exposed to God's Word and His people, Sooner or later, my sin would always manifest itself, just as it, has all, just as it had always done. And in one last-ditch effort to appease my conscience, I decided that I wanted to be baptized on a baptism night. But even after this, I still felt the burden clinging tightly to my back of my sin. I had not yet come to the cross. This soon changed, however, when one day on campus, by God's providence, I came across a young man named Jacob, who attends Countryside Bible Church. He struck up a conversation with me and invited me to start joining him and some other full-time evangelists every Wednesday on UNT's campus to share the gospel with the lost. I agreed and was eager to apply the apologetics that I had learned and been studying. But what I found when I went out wasn't what I expected. Instead of hunting down atheists and other opposing worldviews to debate and show them the superiority of the Christian worldview, the men that I was in company with were much more concerned about humbly yet boldly proclaiming the gospel to lost souls. Sure, at times they used apologetics to demonstrate the absurdity of the unbelieving worldview, but they did so with gentleness and respect, 1 Peter 3.15, always keeping the precious gospel of grace at the forefront of every conversation. They knew that no argument could bring dead men to life, rather that the, they firmly believed that the gospel was the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, Romans 1.16. So day in and day out, I was discipled by these men who truly loved the Lord, and I heard the gospel presented repeatedly. It was even Jacob who implored me to leave the church that I was attending to give North Lake Bible a try. By the grace of God, my wife and I took his advice, and after hearing the teaching, experiencing the worship, the fellowship with God's people, we knew that North Lake was where we should be. It was around this time that both my wife and I started to notice a real change in our lives. As I said before, I am unsure of the exact time that God brought me into His kingdom, but at some point not too long ago, my eyes were opened to the grace of the gospel, which is that we are justified before God solely on the basis of Christ's righteousness alone, not on the basis of any effort on our part because we are dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2. I now love the truth of the gospel, which is again that we are justified by the grace of God alone through the faith that He grants us alone on the basis of Christ's righteousness alone, apart from any works of the law, including baptism, Romans 4, 1 through 5, 25. 
And due to the fruits of repentance that God has worked in my life, I have assurance of salvation. Since that time, I have seen the grace of God work in my heart by changing my desires. I used to love and hold on to my sin. Now I abhor what is evil. I used to feel nothing when I would sin against God and man. Now I have a broken and contrite heart. I used to care nothing about offending the Lord of the universe. Now I delight in the law of God and my inner being. I used to despise and scoff at all those who made up the bride of Christ, which is the church. But now I love the brothers and long for the gathering of the saints. I used to hold the word of God in contempt, but now I know that it is the foundation of all truth and knowledge, and apart from it, you can know nothing at all. Now I do not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew 4.4 I now love the word of God, and it is the mean by which God speaks to me. It is a lamp unto my feet, Psalm 119. I also used to neglect prayer because I didn't understand the sweetness of it. But now I draw near to the throne of grace with confidence to find mercy in my time of need. I am by no means without sin, and I never will be in this life. However, I have experienced increasing victory over sin, as Jesus said his disciples would in John 8. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So, because of the witness of the Holy Spirit to my spirit, and because of the cleansing of my conscience that comes with knowing the truth of the gospel, which is the salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, I now strive to walk humbly with my God and live in obedience to Jesus Christ, not to earn salvation, but out of gratitude to God for saving me, which is why I desire to be baptized today. I can now confidently say, as Paul did in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hmm. Well, Hagen, thank you for sharing with us all that God has done in your life. What a, what a gift. It's a reminder of the power of the gospel. Paul told us. He's not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation. It's a reminder to us to share the gospel. So many times we share the gospel and we, from our human perspective, see nothing happen. And it's easy to think, is this having any effect on anyone I'm talking to? But God doesn't stop with our initial conversation. He keeps working in the hearts of people. So because of your profession in Christ and your clear testimony, it's my joy to baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hi, my name is Justin, and I've come to share my testimony and to profess my faith in Christ. For several years, I considered myself a faithful follower of Christ. But when my marriage ended, not only was this questionable, but it was also challenged. For several months, our marriage suffered due to unconfessed bitterness, selfishness, and pride, among other secret sin I had stored away within my own heart all the result of giving myself completely over to idols that I had made out of my close friends in my church instead of the Lord. My treasure was in what they thought of me and whether or not they appreciated me. I would give myself over and over again to them and these idols that I had made and when there was no reciprocation or even recognition for all my work or care for them, 
I grew angry towards anything and everything. All at the cost of my wife, our marriage, her heart, and her well-being. In my pride, I refused to get help and believe that if I just worked really hard to avoid sin or getting angry, then I could overcome my sin. But contrary to what I believed in my heart, I was not capable of fighting sin on my own. Over time, as Ephesians 4.31 and Colossians 3.8 state, my unconfessed bitterness grew to anger and eventually malice. I had grown to be physically abusive to the woman that I love. And when she left, I was completely devastated. In an instant, it seemed as if all that I had known and possessed was just blew up and taken from me. My life, my house, my friends, my reputation, my wife. I stopped eating and sleeping entirely and I felt like an empty vessel just existing. I didn't know who I was. So I held my identity in the things that I owned and my reputation as, as an honest friend and hard worker and in and through the eyes of the people I loved and called friends and above all who my wife thought I was. Upon her leaving for the first time in my life, there was nothing genuinely I could do. I felt completely alone with no choice but to examine myself. Everything was out of my control, so I couldn't change the circumstances. The night she left, it was as if a veil was removed from my eyes and all of a sudden, the only thing I could see was my own sin and self-conceitedness. I couldn't bear myself anymore. I felt hopeless and completely unworthy of grace or redemption. And I remember distinctly feeling like David in Psalm 31 after his sin with Bathsheba. But by God's wisdom and grace, I started meeting with Dusty and Chris to examine my heart and my true position before the Lord. In their counsel, they pointed me continuously back to the scriptures to examine my heart, and they challenged me to be honest with myself about my pride and my sin. By their counsel, I read 1 John over and over again and came across passages like 1 John 3, 6, which states, No one who abides in him keeps on sinning, and no one who keeps on sinning has either seen or known him. I remember spending day and night before the Lord praying and begging him to let me know if I was his or if I was even saved. In the midst of my sorrow, I found myself in the Psalms. And in all of my spare time, crying out to the Lord, copying the psalmist's format. Throw myself before him, pleading and praying for him to restore me in my marriage. If I wasn't saved to pardon me of my sin, give me a new heart. One morning I woke up and in my daily reading through the Gospel of Mark, I read Mark 16, 7 that states, There the angel of the Lord sends the women at the tomb to go and tell all the disciples of Jesus' resurrection. But at the end, there's a singling out of Peter to receive the message. At once, I was overwhelmed by the love of God as I remember sitting there completely marveling at the fact that a God more holy and righteous than anything I could imagine, who is grander than anything I could picture or even come to grasp, 
who had every right to condemn me because of who I was and my sin, cares for me. He cares for me, an insignificant speck of dust whose rebellion and disobedience continuously against him. But yet he invites me to his table, clothes me in righteousness, pardons my sin and adopts me into his family. And above all else, then looks to me and asks me for the desires of my heart. He did so that I might live and dwell with him for eternity. And at that realization, thanks to the Holy Spirit, I repented of my sin and have forsaken my flesh so that I may glorify him in all that I say and do because I love him. I haven't looked back since, nor do I want to. Since coming to Christ, uh, everything in my life has changed. I no longer pursue obedience out of sheer necessity, but because it's been, or because it's been asked me by God, but rather I do it willingly because I love Him and I want to please Him. Make no mistake, this has not been the easiest road either. Rather, it's made my life more difficult as I'm more aware of just how prone to sinning I am and just how desperately I need Christ in order to make it through the day. I can't help but think of Jacob after he wrestled with God, how he could never walk the same and how every step of his life was a reminder of that. Despite the difficulties of walking in righteousness at the expense of my, my flesh, I've never found so much joy in my life. Joy that comes from the hope and the strength that I have in Christ for all things past, present, and future. Today, I cultivate my walk with the Lord in several different ways. The first and foremost being spending as much time as I can in Scripture and meditating upon its truths. From reading it to memorizing it and even creating Ebenezer's to remind myself of God's faithfulness unto me in the places that I visit the most. Any chance I can get, I try to spend as much time as I can with the body of Christ, being not only ministered to by those around me, but also ministering to those around me who I know and love. I cultivate my walk with the Lord by doing anything and everything that I do to my best and utmost ability to present it as an offering before the Lord, as well as to provide opportunities to give Him praise, honor, and glory, and open doors for the gospel to be displayed and even spoken to those I share life with. Lastly, I cultivate my walk with the Lord by serving and loving others as Christ has loved this wretched sinner, putting off all selfish ambition and conceit and putting on humility by looking always towards the interest of others over my own and seeking their well-being over mine. Like the psalmist, I cultivate my walk with God by looking at the past and seeing what He's done and remembering the present and pressing on in faith and trust in his spoken word and will for my life with joy despite my circumstances. May God get all the praise and glory. Well, Justin, thank you for sharing with us uh, all that God has done in your life. Uh, it's a good reminder to us, as you well know, that sin is not to be trifled with. It comes with consequences. Uh, the Lord does not shield us in this life from those temporal consequences but praise be to God for those who will turn to him in faith and repentance 
the eternal consequences for our sin can be completely and forever wiped away. And we are grateful that God has washed you and made you new. We celebrate that with you. And because of your testimony of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's my honor to baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank <laughs> you.